All right. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of our podcast, True Data Ops. I'm your host, Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior. Each week we meet, we will bring you a podcast covering all things data ops with the people that are making data ops what it is today. Our guest today is my good friend, Paul Rankin, a very experienced data architect, data vault, and data mesh expert, public speaker, and head of data management platforms for Roche Diagnostics in Switzerland. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, uh, thanks very much. And um, the uh, the title actually is uh, my title, like di diagnostics. It's slightly changed now. So, but uh, oh no, no really? What is it now? <laughs> no, no, no. no, we're um, so we, as you know, we've we've um, gone through a bit of a transformation with uh, diagnostics and and pharma. So now, um, you know, thanks to that uh, transformation, I'm I'm having to serve the whole of the the company now, not just the the diagnostics division. Um, so. Uh, yes, it's exciting at the same time. Um, yeah, very, very, very interesting. Yeah, so now you're you're head of data products. Oh, it's more, platforms more, for Roche, yeah, yeah, because or... everything's now in in Roche as we've moved to a, a product centric um, culture in IT as well. So everything's now a product in in IT, and um, I'm obviously looking after the data mesh um, platform. Um, you know, as a as a product, a full product, wow. and and yes, it's uh, it's good. I mean, it really is exciting times for everyone at Roche because we're kind of reimagining ourselves not just as an IT function, but you know, also as an analytics and a, and a data um, function. And you know, we did this quite successfully, as you know, within the in the diagnostics division over the last two years. But now we have to do all this all over again, and in the whole company, yeah, and in the pharma division as well. So, yeah, very exciting. Wow. Well, um, for the folks that don't know you as well as I do, could you give them a, a little bit of background about your history and how you got to uh, this point at, at Roche now? Sure. Yeah. Um, so as I just said, you know, I um, I'm with Roche now for for a couple of years only. Um, was was uh, brought in to help them with their their data mesh uh, implementation within the diagnostics division. You know, clearly we must have done quite a good job there because now they've um, you know really pushed the focus on data products, reusable data products, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that as uh, throughout the podcast. But I came from more of a um, I suppose a business IT background probably in the um, 90s uh, late 90s was my first um, delve into that when we were uh, we were using SAS as you know SAS started mm -hmm. off as as a more of a, a language a programming language um, back in these days and we worked I worked my first job was with the Royal Bank of Scotland um, back in mm -hmm. Scotland I'm, I'm Scottish and you know mainframe uh, DB2 uh, you know with with SAS uh, on top of there and we were it's funny because I was just telling someone the other day that I remember us we would get requests in from the bank uh, from the retail branches to give them all their I don't know all the customers between I don't know 18 and 20 that had you know a certain amount of balance on their accounts etc cetera, etc cetera. and what we would do is we would obviously you know you would punch that in using SAS onto the DB2 mainframe um, we would print it out in this huge print room you know as in paper form mm -hmm. we would post it we would post it in an envelope to the to the branch or the list of customers that met their query criteria yeah and then maybe they would get them I don't know three or four days later 
And uh, you can imagine by the time of the, they thought about it, requested it, and the time they actually could do anything with the, the results, you know, the, the customers were probably moved on to another bank by then. <laughs> but it just shows you how far we've come. Uh, and that was probably green bar time. paper too, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. With a with a dot matrix printer. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were they were the times. And anyway, you know, I I progressed from from there more into the BI space. Uh, I started working with IBM um, with Cognos at that time was very new in the market, and uh, you know, it was it was a bit of a game changer for us and in, in the banking industry as well. As you know, Cognos cubes with OLAP technology were. Yes. Or, or, or like the thing yeah um yeah i had i had it, my uh, couple of years working with that as well yeah yeah of course and it taught me so much you know i really um recommend the people to go out and you know study the end-to-end -end evolution of bi tools because you know that has really gave me a fantastic grounding of actually trying to you know find the data source program the connection yourself bring in to what we knew as a framework manager at the time and, and actually model the data um and then publish it and then build the dashboard you know with with, with the visualization technology so full you know end to end um you know from inception all the way through to to insights and and consumption so i and i you know i brought this and and built on on my, uh, you know, we, we, we splintered from IBM at the time after we started, we, we moved to a Scottish consultancy who then was bought by by a bigger um, a, a bigger vendor. And then I ended up in, in Zurich um, seven years ago now, hmm. because uh, Zurich Insurance bought lots of IBM uh, kit like Cognos, TM1, Open Pages, the full, you know, analytics stack from IBM. Yeah. And um, they needed someone to to lead the migration, so I that's that's why I ended up in in Zurich to help them. It, it was led by the risk, um, the global risk team, but they wanted to integrate, you know, finance risk and PNN and 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 all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it was exciting. Yeah, it, it was my kind of my first delve into modern data and analytics but seven years ago it was still not as modern as we, as we see today but they were still looking at you know moving to to cloud and and um trying to scale you know to an enterprise um wide level but again the technology was still not quite there um and obviously you know moving from there i went back to accenture to consulting um and really got exposed to lead the the cloud first chapter for Accenture for ESG for Austria, Germany, and Switzerland, and there we were helping you know a lot of customers make the transition, the, the, the digitalization essentially, yeah, you know, between the the on-premise data center world more to the, the the cloud data world, and and then yeah, ended up in Roche because you know I was assigned to the the Roche account. Obviously, Roche is a very big account for Accenture. Yeah still is as well and we were strategic uh, partners um, with Roche and they were looking for someone really to drive as you know the uh, the data mesh initiative um, within diagnostics and this is where I landed and 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 stayed and you know Omar very well he was my boss back then he was my you know he brought me in and both him and I you know really bought in 
to to the the reusable data product concept and data mesh and really felt that this was a huge game changer for a company like Roche who who were already very decentralized in nature when it came to analytics and um you know I think this journey has been very exciting for me you know it's exactly what I needed at that time is to you know is to change the the mindset and and kind of really do something a little bit different than just the monolithic data warehouses that we were been doing for years and years and years yeah um, yeah now and I think if I remember correctly when you and I first met we you were at Roche but you were you were working for Accenture mm -hmm. and Omar got us into a meeting to talk about data vault so yeah, even, yeah, even yeah. before we stepped into data mesh we started looking at data vault um, yeah, and it, then somewhere along the line, you transitioned. You went from Accenture to oh, wait a minute, you actually work for Roche Diagnostics <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, and then, that was one of those changes. It's like, oh, okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> just liked it so much, decided to stay. Uh, I had a, one of those transitions myself, like that, back in the early days when I first started doing Data Vault. I was a consultant for Denver Public Schools, and they decided to hire me to to run the team as well. And you, yeah. you mentioned TM1, that very first data vault that I built, the ultimately fed data into TM1 cubes. We built a, uh -huh. we built a TM1 system for doing forecasting for the pay for performance system for uh, the teachers of the Denver public school system. And it was the first one in the world. And uh -huh. it was, it was actually uh, fed from the very first data vault that I ever built. Um, yeah, yeah, you and I have an off, a, a scary amount of overlap yeah. in, uh, in the technologies <laughs> can, and the yeah. things that we have done in our careers. Um, but TM1, not, I love, I still love TM1. TM1, I mean, people, it was amazing. You know, I mean, still use it in Roche, actually. It's still getting used. Um, I, I can't wait. I need to get my hands on it again and start uh, building some cubes with the team, but they probably won't let me anywhere near it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so, that, so you know, I wanted to get your perspective on, you know, a definition of what is a data product. I mean, we've talked about, actually, mm -hmm. I think you and I were doing data products before they called it data products, like a, a Cognos cube. Yeah, it was effectively a data product. A TM1 yeah, cube yeah. application was a self-contained data product that allowed business people to have access to the data and analytics they were looking for, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, you know, he's saying that it is, and it's really how it's changed now to not just recognizing it as a as a data product, yeah, but but actually putting measurements and governance in place to protect those definitions. And that's where we're at now in, in Roche. And so let me go back to your first initial question and, and what, what I see as a data product and then what we're, I suppose, what we see in Roche as, as a data product. And it, it has to solve a business problem for sure. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, this is, is, this is key. I mean, and this is a big difference between, you know, a data warehouse and a data product because you know, a data warehouse doesn't necessarily on its own need to solve specific, you know, business problems. But this is the starting point for data products. You need to identify that you have a problem and that you need help, as you know, to, to solve it. And this help comes in the form of, of, of a data product of some sort. Now, in, in Roche, 
I mean, I know that Jamak talks about uh, these three types of data products, your consumer orientated, your source orientated, and they, they, have, they have this middle one called this aggregated data product. And Roche, we, we kind of don't really uh, focus on the middle one, the aggregated. It's more just on the consumer and, and the source. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because we're not really at the, that maturity level that we you know, we, we then start looking at the, the, the third type of data product. Maybe that will come. But at Roche, I think we have still, you know, the problem of getting people used to the two ends of the scale, the consumer and the source, and thinking in that way that we, we decided to focus on these two for, for now. And this is, you know, I think actually my our friend uh, sanjeev mohan actually just published um what is a data product and, and what it's not recently i don't know if you've, you've had a chance to read it yet ken but i think he puts it pretty well um and it's i would say that is probably quite closely aligned i mean him and i uh, just like you and i have talked about data products and you know it is pretty closely aligned that it does have to have this this business value yes it must have an owner someone that is really you know owning this and looking after the creation of it all the way through till the time it's decommissioned or or retired um someone that is really responsible for making sure that all the characteristics are met and you know this is is really key yes there has to be a some kind of measurable value to it and it has to meet all those characteristics that we we all know that's in the book, you know, your trustworthiness, your addressability, your findability, um, you, you know, right. your security and, and, and all those things. So, you know, this is what we see as a, as a data product. It is not just the product. And, and again, going back to, to Sanji's recent blog, it's not just the, the serial you know, within the the cereal box, it's the packaging, it's the content, it's you know the um, all the ingredients, the sell by date, um, you, you know where the data is, uh, where the cereal is coming from. This is the metadata from. around the product exactly. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's packaged. It it really is packaged up as a product. The code is not separate from the data. The pipeline is not separate from the data. You know, the the metadata is not separate from the data it's packaged up in this data product yeah yeah it's uh, not just the data exactly yeah exactly and this is really key for me that that people you know need to understand that that they are responsible for all of that not just not just the ingestion of the source data not just the modeling of the data not just the publishing to a marketplace they are responsible for owning the entire product. Yeah. So in, in a way, this is true stewardship of the data. And we talked, used to talk about data stewards in the data warehousing world mm -hmm. and um, that that should be a business centric function. And the people understood the data and were responsible for the quality of the data. I think the, the, the data product definition and this approach to data mesh and decentralization has taken it probably to its fullest level as you're just describing that it's not just the ingestion it's like yeah you're not done with it because you figured out how to get it into the platform um it's you, you have that whole um end to end yeah. as you said responsibility from from yeah. cradle to grave really of the data including the quality including the governance in, including the metadata, the packaging, the cataloging, the discoverability, which is another one of the key 
yeah, uh, yeah. pillars there, right? Is the discoverability. Now, interestingly, uh, at the beginning of the conversation, I think you said you are treating your data mesh platform as a product now, right? Yeah, indeed. Yes, indeed. Not a data product, but a, a product. Yes. It's a product. Okay. Yeah. It just happens, but it but it's a uh, it, yeah. it's not dissimilar. It's just the no, uh, it's not dissimilar in thing and thinking and, and and evolution, you know, and iterations and all of that, you know, agile development cycle that that needs to be done, and whether it's a product or a data product. Um, but we're also actually creating now data products as a platform um, for allowing people to to get more transparency on on metadata and metrics of their data product yeah so what we want to get to is a point where we can provide a data product that allows them to use to understand the value the overall cost of ownership of a mm, of their yeah. data product in terms of you know how much processing does it cost to maintain this data product um what's the team size i need to maintain this data product you know what is the um the the usage of this data who's using it yeah um these things are all going towards this overall value of this data product and you know this is really key this is now we're now at this stage of maturity where we need to provide these guys this information so that allows them to make the decisions of decommissioning data products because you know clearly mm -hmm. data products yeah. you know cannot just be around forever getting run maintained managed if they're creating no value and what you end up with these high value data products yeah that, that, that are really valuable um and, and then you need to measure the cost of them. Does the cost outweigh the value in the end of the day? And, you know, high cost data products with low value, you clearly want to decommission. Huh? Um, but, you know, that's where we, yeah. it's difficult. It's easier, it sounds, it sounds easier than, than it is, but. <laughs> well, but, but it, it's you, your organization, you guys have, as you said, you, you've gone through a maturing on this over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. you know, to, and this is something, I guess, we probably, you know, in the data warehousing world, we certainly never thought about it. We built the data warehouse, we put the data in, and we're always putting more data in as there were more problems to yeah. solve, but we weren't generally turning things off because yeah. once it's been used, we need it for auditability. You know, one of the principles in Data Vault having that lifetime auditability. Okay. So you can always go back and see how did you make that decision three years ago and what data did you base it on? But for data products, you have the idea that we're measuring the value. And, and I love this because you, we're not going to be just spinning our wheels, uh, spending time and resources, building and maintaining something that you know, nobody's really using or it's being used so little that the cost definitely is outweighing the value. And you know, especially with the concerns people have over escalating cloud costs that comes up all the time around Snowflake and other um, cloud-based systems is like, yeah, it's all kind of on demand. And, you know, if we're we're paying as we go. Yes. Okay. That means that when we run the processing, we have compute costs and we have to keep track of that, right? So that we're not spending more than we're getting out of it. And it sounds like you guys have put that framework in place. Yeah, not quite yet. Um, I mean, this is what we're, we're, the framework is in place, but you know, we're, we're really trying to make sure that we 
we have this nailed. So we have the data pro the, the governance, I suppose, on the data product value and cost. Um, it, you know, we're still trying to work out how we can bring those costs down for a data product. And, you know, in a, in a data mesh and a self-service platform, yeah, this is, it's, it's not, I would say it's more smarter ways because if, if we cannot, we do not have the resources to, to, I suppose, police every single team and every single data engineer um, on the data product. Yes, we need to improve our best practices. We need to monitor, we need to automate better. Um, but at the end of the day, we have limited capacity to do these things, especially now that we've gone completely enterprise and that, you know, all data product teams are now essentially, you know, using the platform. So we've put the onus a little bit on the vendors here, actually. And, uh, you know, especially Snowflake, as, as you know, they give you a Ferrari, but often they're not so good at teaching you how to drive it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always need to be going at 170 miles an exactly, hour. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because, uh, I mean, we have five Snowflake resident architects in the team. Yeah. From Snowflake, um, since we've, we've, uh, signed the strategic deal there. And, um, it's funny they say well you give people a choice you give them an extra small or a large and i said well if you had a ferrari or a, a citroen c5 sitting out in your front drive which one would you jump into yeah <laughs> you know but, but that's also like saying you know your ferrari's got seven gears but we're only going to use gear one or gear five <laughs> yeah. right you know what about the ones in between <laughs> you've got other yeah. gears in there yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. it doesn't have to be yeah. it, it, it's it yeah. needs a little more thought than that. Yeah, that definitely. It's, yeah. it's not just on or off. It's there, there's a lot of gradients in between. If we're really going to, I'll say, get the optimal value yeah. out of the platform yeah. for the business, yeah. right? We want to optimize that that usage and that cost, not minimize it, not maximize it, but optimize yeah. it, right? Yeah, definitely. And and this is where we're going now. And we've set up a FinOps team specifically for this but not only monitoring i mean people are great in monitoring yeah they've got all the dashboards going they've got you know the consumption of warehouses uh, you know over the last six months broken down to every slice that you want but actually doing you know anything about it uh, when they see anomalies or spikes that is not so good. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the next step. And they're not so good at doing that. Well, and, first you have to be need... able to measure it and recognize it. Yeah. And then you have to figure out what how you react to it. Yeah. Right? And so, you cannot just uh, pick up the phone and say, listen, guys, you're spending too much money. They'll be like, okay, yeah, well, thanks, Paul. Um, Leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where does... Uh, what role does data ops play in all of this that we're, we're talking about? I mean, DataOps is key. It really is for us the the central capability. I mean, our data product teams cannot do anything without DataOps. Um, and what I mean by this is, yes, it's the orchestrator of all capabilities. And, and I mean, you know our platform, um, Kent, but just for those who don't know the, the data mesh platform at Roche, it is all built around the Snowflake ecosystem. Um, so we have a number of key capabilities that are integrated tightly into, uh, into Snowflake, such as data ops, such as an access control 
systems such as a data catalog, such as um, you know ETL, data engineering tools, uh, governance, other governance tools, and downstream systems. So, you know, it really is for the journey of a data product. We we are very, I suppose, more prescriptive in nature than I've seen other companies do. Um, I've seen other companies say, okay, here's an AWS account, here's the recommended uh, you know, tools, just build your data product on there however you want, right? Now, this may work for some companies. Um, clearly, it's, it, it's it, I don't think it would work for Roche. Yeah, in fact, I know- Well, it, as, it, as it, big as Roche is and is, yeah. How many, how many data product teams do you have now? Oh, now we have uh, 70, over 70 data product teams. 70, seven yeah, zero. Seven yes. Yeah. 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 So, so that makes a lot of sense to me that you're, you're more prescriptive because there's gotta be some guide rails somewhere with that many people accessing yeah. a self-service platform. Yeah. You don't want it to be the wild west. You don't want it to end up with being, you know, data silos everywhere. So having some, um, framework around it which i assume you're again like you said the snowflake ecosystem data ops.live uh helps put some of those guardrails around yeah. it along with your i guess your your recommended tools that we use instead of letting the teams pick their own tools Definitely. you you've yeah. uh yeah, i think you and, you and i have talked about this before you kind of <laughs> have the central team that you run that you guys figure out what's What's probably hopefully the one of the more optimal ways of dealing with these things? What tools yeah. could we use, and then then enable these data yeah. product teams, these domain teams, to use these tools within yeah. the the governance parameters that you have at Rush, right? Definitely, and and, and this is what you saw in the past: is you had um, you know all the architects in Rush building exactly what they thought was the best solution in terms of a, a CCICD uh, capability or an orchestration capability or a governance capability. And they would be introducing all new tools and then building all these integration capabilities for every new use case, for example, yep, and, and, and all Roche. So you would end up with, I don't know, a hundred different tools and technologies with doing all the same types of integration data ops types of, of capabilities and we were like no you know this is costing us a fortune it's spreading our skill set and our, our chapter resources so Crazy. thinly on the ground that we cannot afford to do this anymore yeah we build the capabilities in the central data platform team we build all the integrations all around the data ops um, methodology and, and ecosystem there um, using snowflake and other other tools and we provide all of those integrations and all of those, we call them SDKs, but essentially they're components that are built to do things like sort of publish data products, such as to harvest metadata from Snowflake, publish it into a catalog, you know, to provide orchestration and other tools and ecosystems like sort of Outrix, Talent, all these other tools. Yep, DataOps does all that through configuration of an SDK and an OEM.yaml file. So we want the, the developers, the engineers and the architects to, to focus on the solution, the business solution of a data product, rather than thinking about which technology I need to use, what integrations do I need to build, et cetera, et cetera. We've kind of taken that all out of the way for them. And it really is now so quick for them to just jump on, find their sources, find data products that have already been published, 
build their new data product with their data ops pipeline, with their access control, with their publication into data catalogs, data marketplace. We're getting, you know, data product teams are now publishing, building and publishing within weeks now. Yep, really is that quick. Yeah, and, you know, for for the folks listening, I got to say that uh, Paul and his team have put together an incredible architecture. I remember it's like the first time I saw it, which actually had listed all the products they were using, how they all interacted. Um, we did a presentation at Snowflake Summit last year where he kind of went through all of this in, in detail. Um, and it's, you've taken the theory of data mesh and put it to actual practical, valuable use. You know, it's in practice there at, at Roche. Uh, and what I, I want to ask is, is there somewhere, and I, I don't remember myself, where you've, have you published that architecture diagram anywhere other than, you know, presentations at conferences? Is it, is it, they got to go look up the, uh, the, the session from Snowflake Summit last year to, to see it, or is it out there somewhere else? In the it wild, keeps changing, Kent. So you know, yeah. if, I, if I if I publish it, it's going to be out of date. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, you know, it's um, it's been a great journey, and we've had some great uh, support. And it's uh, you know, for me, the technical part is probably the easiest part of data mesh to 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 solve. Yeah. Yeah. We have some great vendors, some great technologies and tools, and you know, you know, just in technology itself has moved on so 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 much in the last few years that, you know, it's enabled us to get to this position now. Whereas, you know, five years ago, we wouldn't have been able to deliver this distributed architecture um, to and put it in the hands of data product teams and, you know, expect them to be successful. And, and really this is, you know, to me, actually now, I wouldn't say easy, but, yeah, a lot easier than than it it's, was. The hardest it's, part is doable now. It's doable, yeah. The hardest part really is the is the business side, you know. And and clearly that's a, a different podcast that, that we need to have. Yeah, yeah. I was going to uh, say it's like we we just ran through our thirty minutes, and I'm only about halfway through the conversation okay. that I know you and I could have. Um, but to your last point, I think yeah, we we do have to hand it to vendors like DataOps.Live and Snowflake for really listening to their customers because mm -hmm. the features that have been added um, to these products over the last two years, you know, from a lot of input from folks like yourself that are, they're doing it, as I say, in the real world and, and dealing with real problems of, you know, it, it just blows my mind that you have now 70. I think the first time we talked about this, you had about 20 um, data product teams and now we're up to 70 and it's gone from Roche mm -hmm. Diagnostics to, to Roche global yep, exactly. um, across all all these different uh, geopolitical jurisdictions and regulatory environments and everything and you guys are certainly to be commended for the uh, um, for I what think, you've you accomplished know, it, it's it, you you've proven i think that it can be done that you know this, this data mesh concept is not pie in the sky um, there's a lot of theory behind it but you guys have figured out how to implement it practically using tools that exist today, not something that hasn't been built yet, right? You're not waiting for something to be built. You figured out how to do it with the tools that you have available today. And that's, that's a, that's a, sincerely, that's a, a an amazing accomplishment. No, oh, thank you. And, and, you know, thanks to everyone, you know, who supported, you know, it's been a journey. 
And, uh, you know, big thanks, shout out to Omar, obviously, as well. I mean, you've spoken to Omar and, you know, it's uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of hard work went into that at the, in the first couple of years. But but yes, I by no way it's finished and by no way we have succeeded everywhere in Roche. As you know, it's a huge company um, and we want to bring everyone along with us on this data mesh journey, reusable data products we all know now, you know, are actually a fairly valuable, a very valuable component of analytics. And we're, uh, you know, I would say we're still on the, we're on the up, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for uh, our listeners, if you, if you want to kind of track Paul a little bit, you can uh, reach out to him via LinkedIn is probably the best place. He, he posts occasionally. He definitely comments on things on LinkedIn uh, when he when he has time. Obviously, he's a very busy guy. I have guy. no time to post as much as you can. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I have a data mesh platform to build. <laughs> That's right. Um, are you, do you have any uh, presentations coming up uh, about the platform anytime in the next uh, couple of months? Are you going to be at Snowflake Summit at least or That's still to Snowflake be... event? That's still to be, uh, the Snowflake Summit um, is still to be confirmed. Um, I hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I will confirm either way, yes or no um, on that one. Um, but yeah, we've been, like I say, with this transition in Roche, I've been a little bit focused on on really, you know, making that so not so much time as we did last year when we were, yeah. um, you know, I suppose on a little bit of a road show. <laughs> <laughs> myself and Omar and, and with yes, you yeah, and, yeah, remember, yeah. And, and, and the guys. So, yeah, but I mean, we have hopefully, certainly by the end of this year, we, we will have a lot more to to tell you, you know, and that's what right. we're, we're, we're focusing on. Well, um, uh, look forward to uh, continuing to hear about the progress and the success that you guys are having. Um, like I said, I think it's a, a shining example in our industry of, of what you can do when you... Uh, and you put your mind to it and you, you have the right team. So, well, I guess we, we have to go now to Paul. Uh, thanks for, for being my guest today. I, I think we're going to have to have you back here again, uh, assuming your, uh, your schedule allows at some point in the future yeah. to get you on and, uh, and talk about some of the other aspects of, of what you're doing. Well, that went past so quick, Ken. So let's uh, book another one. I've got lots more to talk about. No? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, be sure to uh, join me back here in two weeks where my guest is going to be um, my good friend, the inventor of the data vault, Dan Lindstedt. And that should be a, a really another really interesting conversation as well. Uh, so until then, everybody have a great week. This is Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior, signing off for now. <laughs>